you get flooded with all these phone calls and you haven't learned how to say no yet. And, and that was one of our biggest failures was just that one simple word. What kind of situations did that get you into? A whole heap of shit. This is Built by You, a podcast by Jobber, where business owners share how they stay focused when entrepreneurship gets real. I'm Nick Keiko, and today I'm real talking with Brian Bowes, retired army officer, advocate for veteran mental health, all around community builder, and now skid steer driving owner of Millspec Landscaping in Clarksville, Tennessee. In 2017, after over 20 years of service, Brian convinced his wife, Christy, also a veteran, to join him in his second career, lawn maintenance, which quickly turned into full-time landscaping. Fast forward less than a year, and his retirement job takes off. He and Christy were faced with a tough question, to grow or not to grow. Brian's been a jobber customer since day one of his business. And thanks to Instagram, where you can find him, at Millspec Landscaping, we've kept in touch and followed his journey from the beginning. As you've already heard, Brian's a candid guy. And I appreciate him sharing the lessons he's picked up after a career in the military and a second career as an entrepreneur. Today, on Built by You, meet Brian Bose. Millspec Landscaping is, is technically your, your retirement job or your second career. You spent how many years? Almost two decades in the Army, is that right? Over two decades, so Over about two decades. Tw- 22, 22 okay. years. Give me the, the kind of quick background of your time from the, the start of that through to, to your retirement. Gosh, I went to basic training in what, 90, 94, I want to say. I went on active duty essentially straight out of high school. So when I was young, I decided, you know, like jumping out of airplanes was a good idea. So I joined, became a forward observer, spent the majority, the first half of my career, you know, with the infantry uh, running around as a FO and uh, as a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne. You know, you think it's an awesome idea <laughs> to jump out of airplanes when you're young. <laughs> And, and then you quickly realize that uh, it's not what you think it is. <laughs> so I, I, I served the first three years. I actually got out for a, a year, year and a half, something like that, after my very first enlistment and, and came back home and became an EMT, which was great. It, being an EMT was probably one of the most fun jobs I've, I've ever had in my life. But I miss the camaraderie. I, I just miss the military in general. And I miss being around soldiers. And so I re-enlisted and, and that was pretty much all she wrote until the end of my career. What are some of the lessons or skills that you learned in the Army that you've taken and applied to Millspec landscaping today? Gosh, you know, I you know, having fought in both Iraq and Afghanistan and, and been all over the world a few times in the military. I think it really does come down to um, your ability. Uh, you have to enjoy challenges, right? You, you have to be driven by challenges. I, I always used to say, I, I'll take, give me the soldier, give me the soldier who has failed m- more than one time, but has bounced back from that failure. Sometimes it's, it's the biggest guy that, that crumbles you know, and it's the skinny kid from the woods in nowhere America that just turns into this hero. It's almost like like a learned resiliency that you know, the more times you've been knocked down, you have to get up, which I imagine has, has served you well now as a small business owner. There's been 
probably a few times you've been knocked down. Oh yeah, I think I think any entrepreneur or any any small business owner, you really have to you have to be comfortable with with failure. Part of the thing that I really struggle with is, and, and this has to do, you know, with PTSD and, and things like that for me is, it, it, it's a lot like combat in, in terms of it's chaotic. Sometimes trying to control chaos, it just doesn't work. All the time trying to control chaos doesn't work. So you have to just be kind of be comfortable with the hits, if you will. And then you you retire from the military. What was what was that like? Right. And then why was lawn care the next logical step for you? You know what? To be honest, the retirement part of this was actually kind of hard for me because it was such a big chapter, you know. And you have to understand the military when you're in it for that long is really it's a way of life and the people and the soldiers and the camaraderie. So that's the biggest thing that that I missed almost immediately was just the soldiers and being around them. That part was sad. But for me, I, I think I knew that after, you know, having spent, you know, uh, my first career essentially working for everybody else, I, uh, what could I do to make money and what did I like doing? And I liked mowing. I was like, this is great. I can put my headphones on. What do I love to do? I, I love putting my headphones on, listening to music, and then just mowing. Right? I don't have to think about anything. I don't have to lead anyone. Thus, the original mil-spec lawn care was born. And so it's 2017. You want to start this company, mil-spec lawn care, with your wife, Christy. But she had a job she loved, right, at Ulta Beauty. And like, give me your pitch that you gave Christy to quit your job and, and join you digging in the dirt and, and mowing lawns. Well, it's like, hey, hey babe, do you want to leave your awesome corporate job and uh, come work together? You know, I, I will have to admit, I think she swore at me a little bit, you know, like I, had I lost my mind, but I think it was really, she was just messing with me because I think we just enjoy, you know, I hear more, I've more times than not nine times out of 10, right? I hear, I could never work with my wife. No, I don't know how you do it. They're like, I don't know how you do it. I could never work with my wife. No way. And what's it like? What's it like working alongside her as a coworker? Cause you guys are both out there together doing it. And as a co-owner making those kind of bigger business-based decisions. We've essentially kind of delineated, you know, some things like, she deals a lot with the clients and she deals a lot with jobber, right? She's just constantly, you know, in the quotes and things like that, but she deals with the clients. I deal with kind of like the tech side and the, you know, like the Google, my business and, and Yelp and SEO. What piece of advice would you give to a new couple starting out or looking to get into business together? You just have to be patient with each other and you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. And that, that's the one thing that I, I sucked at because Christy would make a mistake and I, I'd lose my bagels. And it was like, this can't, no, this isn't going to work. You know, you really have to be patient with each other and, and just realize that you're going to make mistakes. That's it. Now that you have background on Brian's start as an entrepreneur, let's get into year one and the most important move he made up front, finding a mentor. A mentor can be a great advisor at any stage of your career or business. So if you want a mentor and have been dragging your feet to find one, I encourage you to follow Brian's humble lead. Let's talk about your mentor, uh, Mark. 
Yeah. He played a, a big role in your early success. Why did he take you under his wing? And what were some of the biggest lessons he taught you? In the military, you have to be able to follow really well before you can lead. I, essentially, I took that same kind of uh, concept and I was like, oh, what's the worst, you know, the worst he's going to say? It, it's really that camaraderie, right? He's a retiree. I'm a retiree. And that was it. I mean, that we just, we've always taken care of each other. I have, you know, this, all these accolades and all this other nonsense, right? Certificates and technical this, that, and the other. And you have to be able to just shove all that junk in a box and go, hey, but I don't know about this. This guy does. So honestly, you know, the worst he can say is no. And, and here's the greatest thing. And, and again, right, deeds not, deeds not words. Because um, at the end of the day, what did Mark do? Mark said, hey, here's five customers. I don't want to go mow over here anymore. When you're first starting out, you, you just kind of have to pick up the crumbs. And then he just kept telling me, he's like, because I was getting worried. I bought all this stuff. I put all this money into it. And a phone is not ringing off the hook. And, and it's like, I, you know, March 1, March 1st. And he's like, just wait, just wait. I'm telling you, just shut up sit there and wait, it'll come. And when it comes, you're going to be like, good night, Mark, stop giving me stuff. It wasn't just him going, Hey, here's what you do. He introduced me to the, the right, the dealership. He said, here's how I do it. So for me, it's a pay it forward thing or, or for both Christy and I, it, you know, it's really a pay it forward thing. So that's why I answer, I know the Instagram questions or, Hey, call me or text me or, or whatever. Because I, I want to see people be as successful. And was Mark right? Did the did the jobs pick up? Did the phone start ringing off the hook? Oh gosh, it it hit like a tidal wave, uh, which was which was crazy. Because I think that one one of the greatest things Mark said was when you first start out, you have to mow on the weekends, and you have to mow in the evenings on weekdays because it's useless if you do it when everybody's at work and nobody's at home. Because nobody sees you doing it. Because nobody sees you, nobody sees your trailer, nobody has an opportunity to come over and talk to you and say, hey, can you mow mine or can I get a quote from my yard? So we took that and, and we ran with it. And lo and behold, Mark was 100% correct. Mark was right, of course. But that just makes room for a new challenge, to grow or not to grow. Every entrepreneur is faced with this question at many points in their journey. And many people think this question only has one answer. Brian thinks otherwise. Let's see what you think after you hear his take. One of the things we, we want to do with this podcast is explore how both success and failure can be challenging. Dive a little bit deeper on like a success that you had early on, maybe year one, and the challenges that came with it, especially as a, as a new business. When, it, when we got flooded um, with phone calls, it, it's one of those things where where you really do have to start making decisions. Like, where am I going with this? You know, what do I, do I want to grow the business? Do I want to stay the size that we're at? I didn't necessarily want to crew because there's added challenges like workers comp and, and there's other things that you have to do, right? When you have a crew. It's some of it fiscal, some of it on the business side. And I had heard just nightmare stories from everybody else in the industry uh, who struggle with employees all season long. You know, we're in Tennessee, right? It's hot. And Google has this massive like data farm here now. Hankook 
is here, uh, factory, the tire guys, LG is here. So why do I want to go mow lawns in Tennessee heat <laughs> or weedy in Tennessee heat when I can go and get paid more money or at least the same amount of money in a factory with air conditioning? Growth is such a natural thing. And it's so often tied in with that, that talk about entrepreneurs, but you've kind of pushed back against that. Maybe just tell me some of your thoughts on why, why growth isn't always kind of the goal for, for a small business. I think it, it depends on what do you love to do, right? You hear in other, other people say working in your business um, versus working on your business. Right. Yeah. I think that that's a little bit of an old school way to think of it. Why can't you do both? We're proving that you can do both, right? There's so many solo entrepreneurs out there running around, making a good living, and they're doing it. They're proving it, that, that you can work on your business and work in your business at the exact same time. We want to maintain a, a certain clientele, right? We want to maintain a, a certain level of quality. Not that you couldn't do that with employees, but it, it does take some extra time, extra leadership, extra mentoring. And, and, I, and I take this back to my military days. I was a senior non-commissioned officer. I wanted to become a warrant officer. I wanted to become a targeting officer. Well, part of the requirements was I had to go get a letter of recommendation from the colonel. So I, I walked into his office. This was in Iraq, mind you. So I walked into his office. Colonel Mark Landis was his name. He, he looked at me and he's like, just so you know, the, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's just different grass. And I knew that. And he wrote the letter. And it just stuck with me kind of for years. It's just different grass. So take that and apply that to bigger isn't always better. Growth is great if that's what you want to do. I don't want to be in the office. Christy doesn't want to be in the office. We enjoy this. We enjoy the challenge of it. That's what really fuels us, right? Challenge behind it, uh, to be able to take something from nothing and, and turn it into what the client really wants. And so again, to each their own, but for us, I'll be completely transparent. Last year, I think we were at 300000 for just Christy and I, and that's a good lift. Now, take away hundred grand for materials and fuel and you know, that kind of thing, but that's still you know, you know, taxes and whatnot, but that's still a... Yeah, that's, that's great. I think, do you think you know, new young entrepreneurs need to be told that over and over again, almost given permission that... Bigger isn't always better. The grass isn't always greener. It's just different grass. I don't know because, you know, I'm a little bit older, right? So I would like to think that I have maybe a, f a couple nuggets of wisdom floating around in, in my squash up here th that are worth sharing. But I also think that young entrepreneurs, they have a, <laughs> their energy level is, is, you know, like Brian has like peaked at the energy level and flattened out where they're like, you know, 18, 20 hours a day. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And then 6 a.m. They're up the next day, 6 a.m. And I'm like, where's my Motrin and my coffee to get rolling again? But it depends on who you talk to and who you listen to, right? It's almost like you have to have this certain size company, right? If you can't put a dollar amount and sell your company, then it's not really a company. I'm telling you, pot, you've seen them, I'm sure, though, right? There's oh, YouTube it, videos. It's everywhere, yeah. I am just saying that for the younger guys, do what you love to do. If you love mowing and you're feeding your family doing it, 
right? And, and you're making a good living doing it and you really enjoy it. Don't think for two seconds that you have to somehow get out of the truck and, and stop doing what you love to do and just to go sit in an office and hammer away on, on shower all day, you know, and track crews and all this other stuff, you know, uh, if, if that's your dream, if that's where you want to get to fine. I think that's great advice, Brian. I think that's what people don't hear, right? That permission. It's not growth at all costs. Switching gears a bit. Let's talk about a, a failure you had, you've had in the business. What was hard and or challenging to deal with about that? Oh gosh, man. I, I think that <laughs> there's probably more failures than there are um, successes, you know, believe it or not. It builds that resiliency we were talking about earlier though, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It does. I think for us, uh, it really was, it's almost like a su success and a failure in one. I, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it, it really is. You get flooded with all these phone calls and you haven't learned how to say no yet. And, and that was one of our biggest failures was just that one simple word. What kind of situations did that get you into? A whole heap of shit. Because now you say yes to all these clients. You don't want to be the bad guy. You don't want to say no. And you're a new business. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, how do we do this with two people? Is there like a, a specific example of, of that you can remember? Like, oh, we said yes to this. And then you got off the phone and you turned to Christy and you're like, I just said yes to something I shouldn't have. Oh. <laughs> I think that anybody in our industry has probably experienced the, we're so busy, we're just going to bid this one blind. We just bid this and we're like hemorrhaging money right now on this project of our own money. We can never do this again. <laughs> We've had a couple of those where it's like we don't learn the first time or the second time, you know, we're like, we're so busy, just like, just bid it, just bid it, whatever. And then we get over there and we're like, oh my gosh. This is ridiculous. <laughs> We're idiots. When you don't say no, and then you say yes, and then Christy starts plugging everybody into Jabber, <laughs> and then you're like, wait a second. There's no way we can mow this money every day unless we're going to work from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. at night. That's where we shot ourselves in the foot in the beginning. But uh, I think being able to to say no, ultimately, people do end up appreciating that more because they don't want their time wasted. You don't want your time wasted. We've changed a lot how we do a lot of our stuff. Someone wants a quote and it's like, drive over there, give them the quote. We don't do that anymore. What do you do now instead? Before I let Brian answer, I wanna give you a heads up that this is the money lesson. Once you hear Brian's approach, I encourage you to think about the parameters that you need to ballpark your own quotes and if this strategy could work for you. I've reworded this question probably about five times now. Budget. Because the majority of people, they have a budget. Whether they know or don't really know uh, what it's going to cost for your landscaping is irrelevant. They know what they can and can't spend, i.e. a budget. But a lot of them have been burned by shitty contractors before. So even if they have a budget, they don't want to tell you the budget. On our side, we have to be able to somehow get that out of them. 
or at least a place to start to have the conversation of whether we're even in the same ballpark playing the same game because I don't want to waste your time and I don't want our time wasted either. So I took this out of the Jobber Entrepreneurship Group. One of the guys in the entrepreneurship group no longer runs out there and does a quote. He's in home improvement, if I remember correctly, and he has them um, take measurements of the area and then text pictures or email pictures. And so that's what we started doing. So essentially the budget question is, what do you want to spend on your project? And they, and they feel a little bit more easy about telling you what they want to spend because everybody knows what they want to spend. And sometimes it's really low and sometimes it's, it's right on the money, but at least it gives us a starting point. And then they text pictures. And then what Christy will do is she'll take that and then she'll, she'll send them back basically a ballpark quote. It, it'll be between this and this. You know, if that's acceptable, then we'll, we'll set up a time to come out there and meet and talk with you personally. Because you really have to look at it from the, the standpoint of any time in the truck is waste. Driving time, it's waste. It's maintenance on your vehicle. It's fuel for your vehicle. All these things add up. So we had to figure out different ways to be more efficient and to be able to say yes and no to, to certain projects. One of the things you talk a lot about is branding and presenting yourself to clients in a purposeful way. What's your advice to, to business owners new or existing who hear brand and, and you know they automatically think I'm going to wrap my old truck or make a cool new logo? How do you approach that as, as part of your business? I think as far as branding is concerned, your logo is just a single drop in that five-gallon bucket of water. I think sometimes especially new guys get wrapped around the axle with their logo, right? Their logo, yeah, it's got to be cool, right? It's got to be catchy. It's got to be something people understand. I'll tell you two things, two things that, or really three things. One, the best investment I think I made when we very first started was actually getting the trailer wrapped. I think it maybe cost us like 800 bucks at the time for what we wanted. You're literally driving around a billboard. You're towing a billboard around the very place that you want to be working and that you want to receive work. The other two things that people say to us, the top two things are, I read your reviews online and you have the cleanest equipment in the city. I know it sounds silly, right? And everybody makes fun of me because I'm always out there cleaning it, you know, because it's a professional thing to do for me. You know, if we were in a yard that had more weeds than another or in a field working, I don't want to take that crap and, and go and transplant it into somebody's really nice fescue yard. When we were mowing, it was our edges. Christy did all the edging. So it was really like she had created this odd persona and part of our brand that like the, the crisp, cleanest edges around. What I'm getting at is that's your brand. That, that's your, the work, your output. What, what's the end result? People are not paying you for a, gee whiz, I, I tried. People are paying you for a result. And that really is what becomes your brand. We like to finish with these two questions. First, what advice would you give yourself in 2017 on the first day of running Millspec? Man, be okay with failing more times than you're going to succeed. 
it's going to happen. And it doesn't have to be a monumental failure, right? It can be, it can be little things, little ankle biter things that you're like, damn it, I messed that up or damn it, I screwed that up. You just have to be able to, you know, stand back up, dust yourself off and just keep going. I, I think it, it, that begs the question, if you learn something, is it really a failure? And now what advice do you need to give yourself today? That's easy. I still suck at being patient. Oh man, I'm horrible at it. I, I'm still that way. I, if you asked, my daughters would it'd be like, yep, yep. Christy, same thing. I have learned and I'm doing a better job at being able to kind of let go and, and understand that instead of trying to control the chaos, it's kind of better to uh, learn how to surf on the wave. That was Brian, it's just different grass, Bows. If you'd like to hear from more entrepreneurs like Brian, please subscribe to Built By You wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit getjobber.com slash podcast. And if you liked today's episode, we'd appreciate it if you left us a review letting us know. By hitting subscribe or leaving a review, you help us rank higher on podcast platforms so we can reach more entrepreneurs with advice like Brian's. Thanks for listening. I'm Nick Keiko, and this is Built By You.